Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message is titled Grace, a Major Responsibility by Pastor Reynaldo Maldonado. The grace of God in the Bible is used to describe one of the main attributes of God. Let's listen to the message and may God bless you. And bow your heads and join me in prayer to present this moment before the Lord. Amen. And there's other things that we have to do during the morning. So let us take advantage of the time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks, Lord, for this precious morning, Lord, where we have arrived to this place to worship you and bless you, Lord. Thank you, God of heaven, where we can today come before your presence in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. And we ask you, God, that in this precious morning, you continue speaking to each and every one of us, Lord. Father, in this hour, I ask you, God, that your word that you have put in my heart, Lord, that it could be transmitted to your church, to your children, beloved God. And as I say, God of heaven, that word that I don't say in this place, in this altar, that your Holy Spirit can whisper to the heart of every one of our brethren here, Lord, and that we all can, God of heaven, grow, beloved Lord, and strengthen ourselves in your word, God of heaven, and know you a little bit more, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this precious morning. I present myself before you. I ask, my God, that it be you speaking for the glory and honor of your name, Lord. Amen. And thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Blessed be the Lord. How good. And to make this complete, let me see your Bibles. <laughs> We always do this, right? Who brought your Bibles? Who brought their Bibles? I want to see because the pastor's seeing this. Amen. So that he knows that we're scanning. Yes. Amen. To do the assignment completely. And your notebooks where you're going to write down your notes. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Very good. Very good. We're going very well. How nice. Glory to God. And truthfully, it's necessary as a church with our Berean cell vision that we understand the importance of listening to the word that's preached here, but to make notes and to be able to go to our homes to study it and to prepare ourselves for the following Friday and our small groups and be able to discuss the word of God and to be able to speak and make and ask questions there. That's very important. Blessed be the Lord. And my brothers, it's a privilege to be here, to be able to preach the word that the Lord help us in this precious morning, that we could transmit the message as the Lord has put in our hearts. <clears throat> and truly, it's a topic that we're going to speak about that's not new for the majority of the people, for all of us that are here. Perhaps it's not new. Here, the word that we bring, it's not a, the revelation, it's in scriptures here. And this particular topic is the central idea of what we are and I rejoice because every song today every praise the words of my pastor everything that was spoken in this place is in tune with what God has to say to us today why because today the topic has to do with what we are as a church what the Lord has done for each and every one of us even the Lord's Supper has to do with what we're going to speak amen we have been speaking about it for many months i think we have spoken lastly of this topic 
the pastor has been very diligent in speaking of this topic because it's necessary that we understand who we are, what we've had on behalf of the Lord. And it's a topic that fills my heart a lot, fills me with joy, with happiness, because truly when we hear the, t- the topic that we're going to preach, our heart has to jump and has to be rejoiceful. When we understand what it means of what we're going to speak. And today's topic is grace, a major responsibility. Grace, the grace of God. And it's beautiful when they speak to us about the grace of God and when we read about the grace of God. But the grace of God brings with it a major responsibility with each and every one of us. The grace of major responsibility. We have been delivered. We have been delivered and free. And free for what? And free why? We're going to speak about this topic in this hour. And I want us to go to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. We're going to read a little bit, but I want us to understand the idea of what God wants to say to us in this precious morning. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. And scripture says, I think you could read it on the screen as well. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And I want to make a point here that we walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. It's to understand all the verses like it takes us like back and forward in an idea. But it's important that it doesn't come from our mind, the topic. Grace, a major responsibility. This word came to my heart after a while and it marked my life a long time ago. And in these months, I have been thinking about this word. And the pastor, as he said, the pastor has been diligent in all these months of speaking of Jesus, 
who gives us the access to the grace that we enjoy and the salvation that we have today. Because it's the grace of God comes through Jesus Christ. And all of us that are here and those that are watching, we've had the experience to have been born again. And the term that is used in the Bible or to define grace specifically in the Old Testament is in Hebrew Chen. Okay? And in the New Testament, in Greek, it's charis. These terms originally mean favor or goodness. That's what the meaning of grace was in those times. Favor or goodness and how good we're going well. What a blessing that we have on behalf of the Lord. Especially this term, meaning favor and goodness, especially if this one was earned without deserving it. None of us that are here deserve salvation. None of us deserve the love so great on behalf of God and that Jesus would die for each and every one of us. What Jesus did on the cross was for pure love, for pure grace, because he loved us in spite of everything. And by that grace and by that love, you and I are here today. By that grace that we're speaking of, you and I today, we have access to the presence of God the Father. The favor of God in the Bible is used to describe one of the principal attributes of God is the grace. In fact, the first part of 1 Peter 5.10 says, but may the God of all grace, and you can put it there, 1 Peter 5.10, chapter 5, verse 10. The first part of that verse says, but may the God of all grace, it's to say that's one of the attributes of God. And in the last song that we sang, I don't know if you pay attention to the songs that we sing in church or that you just sing to sing, as someone said there. But the last song, we were exalting the attributes of God. We were exalting who is God because that's what we do when we come to his house is to exalt God, is to bless the name of the Lord. And one of the attributes of God precisely is grace. This word is used to indicate the favor, the free grace, undeserved grace. And another way of seeing that grace, another way of seeing that or to describe grace is that God chose to bless us instead of cursing us. God chose to bless each and every one of us. And in the law, during the time of the law, in the moment that the grace had not been completely manifested, the people of Israel were obligated to keep the law that Moses gave. But with the arrival of Jesus Christ, Scripture says that God extended His grace to each and every one of us. Amen? God extended his grace to each and every one of us. His grace, church, is greater than our sin. Greater than our sin. We can't understand how the love of God could, for, forgive me, how we could obtain this forgiveness of God knowing how we, you are, we were, knowing what we used to do, knowing in the way that we used to live. And listen, I'm speaking in the past tense because we're going to speak about that. It's the way that we used to live. It's the way that we used to behave. Because supposedly that in Christ, we're new. And we live in a different way. And definitely, His grace is greater than any of our sins. We are totally transformed. We were bad and we did not deserve salvation from God. 
but by the grace of God, he did it. So we must recognize, wait, who we were and who we are now in Christ Jesus through his wonderful grace and his infinite love. There's nothing that we can do. The grace of God was sufficient. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary was sufficient. There's nothing that I or you can do to add to that. There's nothing that you or I can do to make better this salvation. Because what Jesus did was perfect. There's nothing that we can do so that God can love us more. Because God loves us in spite of everything. And there's nothing that we also cannot do that God stops loving us. God loves me. And you know that. You know that when we fail God, we receive that love again. And he lifts us up again, the Lord. And he cleanses us, the Lord, and he puts us to walk again because his love is above all things. We can't understand that. When we understand all of this, though, when we understand that we're speaking of the grace is then a reality in us. To understand grace, it's a reality then in us. The grace of God in my life, and that's where we're going, to understand the grace of God in my life, to understand what Jesus did, to understand that I'm a new creature makes me live a life that is with responsibilities before God. It takes me to live a life that's different. But there's a response. And the first point, our response to his wonderful grace. We already know that it's the grace. We already know what Jesus did. We already know the sacrifice of Jesus. We already know that he loves me above all things. We know and understand that how good Jesus loves me. And we come to church and we feel his presence and glory to God. And we come and we see what God has done in my life. And we rejoice and we become happy and how good. And we sing to the Lord and we dance for the Lord. But truly within us, there has to be a response to that wonderful grace. It's not that we go and not do anything else. We're not going to do anything to add to that grace. It's sufficient. But truly, what is our attitude? What is our response to that wonderful grace? We know that people, they need rules to live in a correct way. That's why there's laws. That's why there's instructions. They're there because we need laws to be able to continue. But let me tell you a little more. And we're going to see it in scripture. The people that are born again now. How many here are born again? Raise your hands. How many of you have been born again? That we're new. That we're new creatures. Amen. That we're new in Jesus Christ. So let me tell you something. Through scripture. What is going to be our response before that grace? So the people who are born again. That are saved. Those people that have been born again. We. We don't live in a state of sin. We don't practice sin. That we fail, yes, we fail. We make mistakes. But 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, look at what it says. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, what our response is to this wonderful grace. 1 John 3, 9 says, Whoever has been born again of God, what does it say? Whoever has been born of God does not sin. 
whoever has been born of God, what? Does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. We have to renounce sinning. It's an exercise that we have to do every day. Those of us that have been born again, those of you that have been born again, the sin should be something strange in a person who's a Christian. It's not part of our life. And it's my response to that grace that is so wonderful. It is my response to the salvation of Jesus Christ that I understand that scripture tells me that if I've been born again, then I no longer live in the life of sin that I used to live. I start to live differently. We die to sin. We turn our back to sin to walk and live with God. That's what must happen in each and every one of us. Absolutely, there is no excuse. There is no reason to continue living a life of sin when we have known the grace of God. When we know what Jesus truly has done for us. When we know who we used to be and who we are now in Jesus Christ. It makes me to have a heart that is grateful. It makes me to live differently. And not even things that maybe look good. Because at times, we do bad things that look good. And not even those things that deny that redeeming work of Jesus Christ in our lives. And many times, the people see us. And they say to us, But truly this person is Christian? But truly this person serves God? Why? Because the people that don't know God, they expect that you and I be different. Because they see us every day coming out of the house with our Bibles to get into our cars and to get into and to come to the service. Because they see that we open our house for the Bible study groups. Because I bring people to my home. Because we worship God. So the people expect that we be different. And that we live differently. Blessed be the Lord Jesus. But what happens is that we're in a time that is dangerous. And what they call what is good, they call it bad. And what is bad, they call it good. And the church of the Lord, many times we have become accustomed to that. And we have not been capable to be firm and to say what is bad is bad. And what is good is good. Because scripture says it. But we have to understand that truly, we have to make the difference. 2 Corinthians 5.17, that many of us know it, and we read it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The grace of God can cause that some people take advantage. And I think... That's one of the bases of this message. At times, there's people that within the grace of God and within the blessing of God, they want to take advantage of that part. And unfortunately, within the grace of God, they sin even more instead of not sinning. Why? Because, because God is good. Because the Lord loves me. Because we're in the grace. 
and we start to use, misuse the concept because God loves me. And we start to live like the people who don't know God because, well, God loves me. Well, he knows my heart. That's what we say. Is that because the Lord knows my weakness? The Lord, the Lord knows that I'm weak. Of course he knows. But scripture says that you were born again, that you are now a new creature, a new creation. The word of God says that you are new in Christ and who has been born new in Christ does not sin. So simple as that. Every day you present yourself before the Lord so that the Lord helps us is not to say that we're still in this flesh, right? Yes, of course. And we make mistakes. But who serves Christ doesn't practice sin. They don't practice sin. The grace of God has to provoke in us a different attitude when we know what the Lord has done within us. At times, everything starts with a little bit. With that phrase that we say, oh, that's nothing. Like how we say in Puerto Rico too. That's nothing. Eso no es nada. Because we say that the Boricuas, we say that. Eso no es nada. Eso no es nada. That's nothing. That's nothing. But, oh. And we start to justify ourselves. But no, but no. That's nothing. And we start with a little bit. With wanting to look like the person who doesn't know God. Doing the same things to not lose friends. To not lose followers. To not lose the family. To not lose then the co-workers. Because if not, then they stop talking to me. So I have to behave like they do. When the Bible says that who I have to look like is Jesus Christ. Amen? And who you have to look like. We should never take advantage, church, of that love of that mercy and of that grace or of that sacrifice. We cannot. Let us not continue having the sacrifice of Jesus in vain. What Jesus did for us was wonderful, was perfect, was great. It was the greatest miracle that could have happened to take us out of darkness and bring us into that marvelous light. We should have, on the contrary, the correct attitude. <laughs> We have repented from our sin, and now we live for God. That is the correct attitude. Now we live for God. We don't want what we wanted before. That's the correct attitude. We're tired of sinning, and now we're satisfied in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we are all complete. And I, I'm tired of living the way that I used to. So I can't come to a new life wanting to live through the way that I used to. Independently of who you have to please or who you want to please. Who you have to please is Jesus Christ and look like Jesus Christ. That's why they said that in the midst of this wonderful grace, there is a great responsibility that is mine as a son of God to behave in accordance with that sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross. We should be conscious, brother, of what happened on the cross. I think what the pastor said earlier, if we have understood what happened on the cross of Calvary, if we understood what Jesus did for us, because if I understand it and I can internalize it, I start to live differently. 
I start to live in the way that God wants. I start to act in the way that God wants me to act. I don't act accord to the way or to those that don't know God. If I understand and I internalize the grace of God, then to understand that grace is going to take me to not sin. It's going to take me to keep myself in the Lord. I'm not going to use that freedom as an excuse to do whatever I want because Jesus will forgive me later. No. Let us be very careful with that. Very careful. Let us be responsible with what the Lord has given us. <clears throat> and that takes us then to the second point. A major responsibility. Therefore, you shall be perfect. I'm not saying this. Nor Pastor Maribel, nor Pastor Walter. We repeat it, but the Bible says this. What we're doing is we're just repeating what the Lord already said. And all the pastors that stand here to expose that word and that they speak the word here in the altar, what we're doing is repeating what Scripture already says. That responsibility, that major responsibility that I'm speaking of, Jesus said, then therefore you shall be perfect. And look, Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 48, that you, you can see that I'm not saying this, but it's been there for many years. It says, therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Oh, but I'm not perfect. The only perfect one is God. Of course, we're not speaking of that perfection of the infallibility of God. Okay. Reading this chapter five completely. Read chapter five that you have as an assignment. Read chapter five and you will see the significance of living under the grace. And you will see then what it is to live under the grace. That's where Jesus spoke of the Beatitudes. You remember? And where the Lord says today that you will not commit adultery. Do you remember all that word of Jesus? And Jesus says, but now I tell you something else. With just looking at a woman and desire her in your heart, you've already sinned. Another time, Jesus said, you're going to hate your enemy or you heard that you have to hate your enemy. But now I tell you that you have to love them. That's grace. That is the favor of God. Because when Jesus did it with us, then we have to do it with others. Amen? And that's the part that we don't like to get to that perfection of God. This that we read here is a mandate that goes directly to all believers who consider themselves as children of God. And everyone who believes that they don't have the capacity to fulfill this part, then we have to evaluate ourselves and then ask God to help us because it is a command, a mandate on behalf of Jesus. It's true, and I, re commit, and I repeat, that the maturity of the commandment that is being here, it does not refer to the capacity or the perfection that God has, but to aspire to perfection in grace and holiness that the Bible tells us that we have to live. Yes, we're going to aspire to do that. That perfection that is equivalent to the maturity 
of those who walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Of that perfection is what we're speaking of. That I'm going to aspire every day, every day, every day, depending on the Lord, depending on the help of God, to live conform to what scripture says every day is a moment for me to live in the perfection of God every single day. This we could only find if we put our vision on the actions of the Lord Jesus Christ, on how Jesus behaved, on how Jesus lived, not on our own eye or me or what I believe or what I think or what I feel. What I believe, what I think, what I feel has answers here in Scripture. And we have, and we live according to this. It's sad to see sometimes within the church of God, people, like I say, we put them, we put them next to someone who doesn't know God and you see no difference. They behave the same. They speak the same. They live the same. Then where is the change? Where is the grace of God? You and I are called to be different. And then there's a question that I ask. What is then the example to follow? Jesus Christ. What is the example to follow? Jesus Christ. How would Jesus act in this case? Jesus, would he behave like we do? And here is, and this is where the grace is even more real where the grace becomes more real, where no one is questioning us or pointing openly as perhaps in the law that they would stone them and do all these things and they would have to do 20 things. So we're not in that moment, okay? But we have to measure, we have to measure ourselves. If we're going to measure ourselves with something, if we're going to compare ourselves to something, if we're going to do a measuring with something, it's with the stature of Jesus Christ. Because it says that we have to continue growing to the stature of Christ. That's my measure. That's my measuring bar. The giver of grace who won on the cross for me, salvation, is telling me that you have to measure yourself with me. That's what Jesus is saying. That we continue growing until going to the stature of him. That's what the Bible says. That measure that we have to do are necessary to grow constantly and to stop behaving as children. It's necessary that we understand this. God has been clear in that passage that we read. It says, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Therefore, a child of God cannot in any way argue with God, but rather obey what the word says. Who's going to question God? We do what the scripture says. And this church here or the church that you've chosen as your congregation, the church that many of you have come, we go by what scripture says. We preach here what the word of God says. We have to say what the Bible says because there's no other way to take the message. It's what scripture says. And we decide or we don't decide to obey what we're listening to. And we do it because we have a responsibility on behalf of God. All of those and all of that that we say, that we say that we're children of God, 
we have no excuse then to act differently from what scripture says. It's a requirement as a child of God. It's a command as a child of God that we look every day to be perfect as our father in heaven is perfect. Amen. And church, God requires of us an effort as believers not to add to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not to add to this wonderful grace. And let me say something. I'm a very faithful believer of what is grace, of what is to live in grace. I believe that the Lord saved me for pure love because he wanted to do it and he gave me freedom and I know as we sung this morning that we're free yes we're free in Christ Jesus we don't depend on the rudiments of any law we're free in the Lord because when Jesus came he came to give us liberty so that you and I are no longer slaves slaves of nothing you and I are free in Christ but let me say something I have sadness at times to see people in the church of the Lord that they behave the same way as the person who doesn't know God where is the understanding the grace of God what have we understood by the grace of God have we understood that we had a right to sin now because Jesus will forgive us later and to live however we want no the Bible tells me something different the Bible tells me with responsibility I have to understand the grace and comprehend what the grace of God is and response with that responsibility respond to it behaving as scripture says not to look like anyone not to please a group or a sector do I have to act a certain way no I have to act as the Bible says. I have to behave even if some don't like it. Even if you're going to be with less friends, then glory to God. Even if many, those that are around you don't like it, but you have to understand who you have to please is God. Who we please every day is the Lord. We have to evaluate ourselves. God requires that effort on our behalf, but above all is our dependence on Him, that we depend on Him, that we understand that we cannot do it alone, that we have to depend on Him. Some people take the pastor's cons uh, counsel or like we want to impose things, like we want to make you act in a way. No, it's not an imposition. It should be the result of the grace of God. It should be the result. Your behavior should be the result from, from the encounter of Jesus with you. Your way of behaving, our way of speaking, our way of acting should be the result of knowing God and wanting to live for Him and to know that what happened to us has been wonderful. The sacrifice of Jesus was beautiful, was perfect. Do you, you know how you used to be. You know where the Lord took you out of. You know. Each and every one of us know. My brother and sister, and understand that God took you out of there 
by grace when we did not deserve it then that should take us to live in a different way it should take us to live in a way that we behave in a different way that we speak in a different way that we walk in a different way and to finish or conclude verse 4 of the verses that we read from Romans chapter 6 from Romans chapter 6 verse 4 says therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life I rejoice with the brothers that uh, went to the baptismal waters. But we know that in these retreats that we do, there's always that opportunity to be given for baptism, and many go into the baptismal waters, and that movement or that attitude of going to that water baptism, what it means is that we died to sin, that we were buried with Christ, and we're resurrected with Christ just like he was. That symbol that when we come out of the waters, we're telling the world that I resurrected with Christ, that I'm here now, and I start to live differently. That's the result. And some of our brothers and sisters did it this weekend at the retreat, and glory to God for that. And we're going to rejoice with them tonight. We're going to embrace them. We're going to rejoice what God has done in them. But each and every one of them have that have had that experience, we have done it. And this also shows that we have to walk, like that verse says, then we should walk in newness of life. And then questions, are we identifying ourselves with Jesus? With his death? With his burial? With his resurrection? Or do we think that all of this is just a fable? Because sometimes we take that attitude. Oh, that's for some other people, not me. That's not true. Or that's for other people. We have to ask ourselves many questions because in this morning, we declare that we have died to sin. Amen? We declare that we died to sin and that now we want to live for God. That's the attitude that we have before grace, that we have hunger to live in this new life that is only found in Jesus Christ. We have hunger, a desire to live a new life. We recognize that God, upon saving us, leads us to that new life. We recognize and we believe it and we desire it. It's to live a new life completely new. It's to live starting from zero with Jesus. And to start doing that his word says that we have to do. And then there's a lot of questions. Are you really saved then? Are you really a Christian? Do you live as a Christian? Only you can answer that. Each and every one of us, that's a personal question. Are you walking in the new life that God gives you through Jesus Christ? Have you drastically changed as scripture says? Do you hate sin and love to live for God? All this is part of the grace. All of this is to understand the grace. If truly we hate sin and we live for God. When we see the attitude that sometimes we take, church, when we behave exactly as someone who doesn't know God, when we continue playing Christian, I think then we lack a lot of understanding or we lack understanding what the grace of God is. When we're when we're playing Christian, as we say, I think then that we're 
missing the point or not understanding what it is to be born again. Because when someone is understood to be born again, they keep themselves for the Lord. Amen. They make the effort every day to please God. At times, I think that many times we lack of understanding what grace is and we speak about it every day. And we rejoice in it because we think that the grace is simply is to just come here on Sunday and to sit here and to rejoice and to sing two songs and three hymns and to dance and everything else. That's part. That's responses too. all that that we do is the response, the spontaneous response of joy and happiness of what we know that Jesus did for us. But it's more than that. It's much more than that. And when we see our attitudes, we think truly then, what is it then that we've learned from grace? Because grace, my brothers and sisters, takes us to live for him, takes us to understand the responsibility that it implies to be saved when we truly know what the grace of God is. Amen. Blessed be the Lord. Glory to God. I know that at times these topics are not like, hmm, eh, oh, they're coming again with the same thing, the same song, right? But they're topics that are necessary. And of course, any question or doubt or comment, Pastora Maribel will be here to answer. <laughs> so you can ask her. <laughs> Glory to God. No, that's a joke. We know that, yes, there's topics that at times makes us to think that's the purpose, to make us think, amen, and to understand and to live freely. Live free in Christ. Be free in Christ. Yes, that's what God wants, that we be free, that we live in the grace. But understanding the responsibility that we have of how to behave, conform to that sacrifice, that wonderful grace. Amen. I'm going to ask that we please stand and pray. We're going to go to the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask the servers to please prepare themselves. But I want to pray because what I said earlier this moment of the lord's supper is part of the grace it's part of what jesus did and what he left for us amen to understand what jesus did makes us to participate also of this moment of the lord's supper because we understand the sacrifice of jesus for us and again i say we're not speaking of a perfection of god or the perfection of God. When we go to be perfected is when we're in the presence of God because there everything will be different. But I'm not speaking of that perfection. I'm speaking of the perfection that is based on the grace and the holiness that the Lord asks us to live. Let us do it. Let us serve God freely. Let us serve God with joy and happiness. You are no longer a slave to sin. You no longer are a slave to what you were before. Live the grace with that freedom. Rejoice in the Lord. But know that we have a responsibility of living. Conform to the word. Conform to what scripture says to honor the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in us. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you thanks, O God, for this precious morning. Thank you, beloved Father, for your word. I ask you, God, that we, Lord, can treasure this word in our hearts. And I ask you, Lord, that it does not return empty. I know that it doesn't do it, Lord, because your word 
is living and effective, Lord. That it goes there to our hearts, to our thoughts, Lord, where no one can enter. And that we can understand in this morning through your word, the responsibility that we have, Lord. The responsibility that we have before such a great sacrifice, before this wonderful grace that takes us to live every day, Lord, in your presence. Every day living a life that is different, beloved Father, for you. Thank you, God of heaven, and that this word, beloved Lord, can do what it was sent to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and thank you, God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. We hope this message has edified you. And please share with others. Have a wonderful day.